Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Talk Radio Countdown Show with Doug Steffen. Counting down what America's talking about. The Talk Radio Countdown. Seven and a half of the hour now. This is the Talk Radio Countdown Show. Here we go. The charts for the week of April 25th to the 29th, magically presented by a radio magician, in fact. Michael Harrison is here. We can refer to him as the Talk Radio Guru or Talk Radio Magician because he works with his staff every week to come up with the top 10 stories and the top 10 people that affect the conversation about these stories. And so, Michael, you are welcome. Thank I like you. That, uh, I like that talk radio magician. I, yes. I've always wanted to have the power to be really? a magician. And uh, there's no doubt that radio is a magical medium. It is. And let us continue to generate that magic. Here are the uh, stories that people were talking about all week, according to research, uh, the research of talkers. At number 10, we have climate change. At number 9, we have immigration. At number 8, we have race relations. At number 7, we have crime and violence. At number 6, the January 6th committee, and that's tied with just a wide assortment of activities rendered upon the news by Donald Trump. At number 5, we have partisan politics, and that's tied with the midterm elections. At number four, COVID-19 remains a big story, obviously. At number three, the Russia-Ukraine war, and that's tied with U.S. foreign policy, which is obviously impacted by the war. And number two, number two topic this week, Elon Musk acquiring Twitter. And number one, the economy. Just shows you how big a story that Twitter story is. Mm-hmm. On the People Survey, at number 10, we have Trevor Reed, uh, the guy in that uh, prisoner swap with the Russians. Janet Yellen at the Treasury Department at number 9. Madison Cawthorn, the controversial uh, legislator, at number 8. Another controversial person of Congress, <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene at 7. Mitch McConnell at 6. Kevin McCarthy at 5. Donald Trump at 4. The Vladimir's Putin and Zelensky at three, Elon Musk at two, and Joe Biden at number one in another crazy week of conversation in America. What's the translation of Vladimir? Is it John or Joseph? What's the... If, you brought that up last week, and I didn't further check it out, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Joseph. Um, I keep wondering, because I don't know myself. I haven't been able to figure it out. Um, at any rate... <laughs> I find I find names in different languages that don't sound the same. It's mm-hmm. kind of funny. I mean, Vladimir is Joseph. I mean, 
a name is a sound, really. It, it's it's what sounds nice and what it, you know. If, if it doesn't have any bearing on the original name, how do you translate a name? Doesn't that, does, isn't that like a, a weird yeah. thing when you think it about is, it? Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, in French, Michael is Michel, 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 but then it's, so it's, it sounds it's close. Yeah. You know, yeah, but it's close, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, William is Guillaume. Um, John, I believe, in Spanish is uh, is it Juan? Uh, Jose is Joseph. I, I mean, they're close. Mm -hmm. But when you have something, you know, Joseph and Vladimir, what? There's I don't see any connection. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Let's do. But let's do some connecting here, right. uh, so that we can give people insight to your thoughts as to what you have learned yourself, what you've gleaned. I like getting into your head when we do these programs. And what I thought was interesting is how COVID has slipped in part. That's not the only thing I find interesting, but it has been number one for so long. And then it slipped down as it became less important. Now it's sort of moved up again, number four this week. The cases have risen across uh, the bulk of the United States. They're not serious. I've known a lot of people who have gotten sick who have had the shots. And then the discussion becomes, well, is the shot wearing off? Do I need to get a booster? My mm -hmm. pharmacist told me I didn't need one. And he thought, in fact, because he questions what may be the content and what the down-the-road impact is going to be, which I thought was very interesting for a pharmacist. Uh, he has two independent drugstores in my town. And he says, you know, don't be so quick to jump into the, to the fourth shot. Uh, wait for the flu shot and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. anyway, you look around our neck of the woods here in New England, a lot of cases up in Vermont, Rhode Island, New York. Uh, it's, one wonders why would it be regionalized? Do you ever you know, think about that? When you, you know, it's, I don't know, it just seems strange because people travel around so freely. Why would it sort of stay in one neck of the woods, you know? No, because most people don't travel. Most people stay where they are. So, so the population is basically settled for the most part in different places. And based upon the existence of the virus in that place, it could be, you know, impacting more people in any given time than another place. I so mean, you're telling me I'm wrong. Then. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm answering your question. You asked why would it be regionalized. <laughs> you, you, you didn't yes. say why. Wow. You, you you asked a question. You asked I a, did. a brilliant, a brilliant, oh, my God, penetrating yes. question that people <laughs> need to know the answer to. And right. I tried my best to accommodate their desires. That was very good. Yeah. All right. So that uh, the COVID thing with the you know the uh, this the the focus so much is on these personalities like Fauci, uh, who's the headline this week was he's not going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm not going either. I'm not going either, right. Exactly. I've had it with that. Uh, I mean, give me a break. What a, what a horrible experience uh, it is. Uh, Folks, well, if you well, think if it's you, glamorous, you're wrong. It's, mm -hmm. it's terrible. Well, the, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, everybody's falling all over themselves because they're going back to doing it after a number of years of not doing it. And it's a big deal for the insiders in Washington. And when I say insiders, people who are in the news media consider themselves and sometimes are considered insiders, aren't they? And that's sort of the problem with the news because there are too many people. I remember once uh, going to one of the White House correspondence dinners and talking to our friend Ellen Ratner about uh, getting some story right. And she said, no, no, I can't ask that question because I would lose my access. And I looked at her and said, what the hell are you talking about? She says, if I embarrass anybody uh, in the White House press briefings 
uh, and ask the wrong question, uh, they'll throw me out. And right. so that was the one of the great lessons <laughs> I think I learned at the time. You know, it isn't the news. It's what we want you to tell people. And so here we go back around again to number two, Elon Musk and his acquisition of Twitter and what he says he's going to do to change things like that. You buying mm. it? Well, no, I don't buy it because I, I don't buy the idea of trading in corporate control over communications, which is what we have now. A handful of corporations control most of the communications in America. Right. Um, that troubles me deeply. But what troubles me even deeplier is one man by virtue of his well michael he says he's going to fix everything well uh, do you uh, they often say a perfect form of government would be a benevolent dictatorship having a good king good <laughs> king know, Elon. you know uh <laughs> i i see trouble ahead with guys like jeff bezos and elon musk these this new breed of multi-billionaires who are wealthier than entire corporations uh able to come in and control the means of communication uh, in the name of free speech, in the name of their free speech. Uh, again, you know, um, absolute power corrupts absolute, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, human nature being what it is, we have to constantly have checks and balances um, over either the wrong organizations or uh, a monopoly, or in some cases, one individual having that much concentrated power. So uh, I, I raise an eyebrow and my red flags go up when I see something like Elon Musk just plot plopping down 40 some odd billion dollars and <laughs> taking over something that even the president of the All United right, States couldn't control. Okay, so let's say he calls you later today, Elon Musk, and says, I want to buy talkers and I'm going to give you $48 million dollars. Are you going to say now? Nah, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't take less than fifty million dollars. Fifty. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, but, but <laughs> talkers, talkers, is is a speck of dust in the communications world. Um, talkers is a small little medium among many media. If talkers were as powerful as Twitter. Well, I would say that Michael kind of Harrison is in the talk business and talk in the is talk where business, people get their influence he, from talk stuff. Yeah, but you know, opinions. influence and power are two different things. Uh, really? Yeah, huh. there's a there's a huge difference between having influence and having power. And um, then there's different levels of power. So, uh, no, I mean, that's like somebody saying if somebody offered you for Doug Steffen Productions, because you basically are the owner of 50 mil. Where do I sign? Yeah, but 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 <laughs> but that's not the same. Somebody owning Doug Steffen Productions or a small publication in, in, in the scheme of things, Talkers mm -hmm. is a small publication, might be powerful mm -hmm. or influential. Uh, as I say, you say powerful in the radio business. But we're talking about Twitter is something that has a major role in defining American consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody so, owning the telephone company or owning the, yeah. the water company. Um, so there are those people who are listening to us right now on the Space Coast who think that Elon Musk is a hero, not because he bought Twitter, but because he owns SpaceX and uh, Bezos to a point as well, because every week there's a launch now. 
And all the people that had to go away because George Bush cut the budget for NASA and they cleaned out thousands of people when they shut down the shuttle program, now they're all going back to work and they all think that this guy's a hero. I don't know whether in some ways he is a hero in some. I mean, the fact that he's doing uh, great work in terms of space exploration and moving that forward. That's wonderful. However, um, you know, as long as as long as one man does not control space and then it would be very dangerous. (laughs) Well, there you go. It's another thing to think about. We look at the surface stories and the surface influence from some of these people and the stories and don't necessarily look deeply into it. That's why. News talk is as helpful as it is. Continuing with Michael Harrison, I'm Doug Steffen. We're counting down what America's talking about. The Talk Radio Countdown Show continues. Back in the fold with our discussion of what's going on in the world of news talk radio this week. I'm Doug Steffen here with Michael Harrison, who is uh, the magic. He's the king of the world when it comes to news talk radio. And we've just found that that offer for 50 has been up to 55, Michael. Okay, so I'm thinking about it. I think you be thinking about it. Okay, number three this week is the situation in Ukraine, the war... Uh, Russia and all of the huffing and puffing that's going on, we're going to shut them down. Apparently, since the war started, Russia has made $66 billion in fuel exports. So all of this PR bunkum that's coming from the Europeans and from folks elsewhere who want to put a stop to the Russian aggression, uh, they spent $66 billion to buy fossil fuel just in the last two and a half months since the invasion of Ukraine. So, I mean, what, this, this is ludicrous. This is ridiculous to have everybody, we're going to put the squeeze on the Russians. You know, what he can do with $66 billion in terms, he doesn't give a damn about the people who live there. He just wants his piece of the, he wants to put the old USSR back together again. And according to Rand Paul this week, what's the big deal? He's just trying to put back what they had before, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to determine where you're going with this. I just find it uh, just uh, extraordinarily amusing uh, to have all of this huffing and puffing on the part of the news media. We're going to shut Russia down. Okay, so what should they be doing if you were if you were king? How would you cover this story? I'm not covering it. What the reality is? Well, I guess the, yeah, part of it you're is about the, the news media. The, you're talking about attitude. covering it, right? So here's the my coverage would be. Russia is still selling fuel to the same people and at the same rate as they were selling it before. So how do you expect to stop the war that you all are worried about in Europe, the aggression of the Russians, if you keep giving them billions of dollars? That's a long headline, but I guess that's the story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in a manner of speaking, it's um, obviously um, wars are... They come with a tremendous load of propaganda. Uh-huh. Propaganda right. is part of the process of of waging war. I mean, if you look back, you know, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World Wars One and Two, um, tremendous amount of propaganda and the propaganda machines on each side. You know, uh, whether it's Tokyo Rose or it's you know, all kinds of things are done to mess with the other side's psyche, their morale to bolster political support domestically, 
to scare uh, the public in the opposing country. Um, this is part of the, the, the insanity that comes with war, and, and you're commenting on that. But um, there's nothing amusing about the war itself. No. And the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the Russians, whether they're making money, losing money, winning the war, losing the war, thousands of Russian young uh, soldiers are dying. And what's going on uh, in Ukraine is a travesty. So, so why hasn't somebody so what shot do we do about Putin? That? We should, somebody should go shoot Putin, Putin, send in the Delta Force or whatever it is, and you can, the snipers can shoot him from a mile away. He may not let anybody close to than 40 feet to him. Uh, but everybody knows they all they know where he is every moment of every day. Uh, so why haven't we just put him out of our misery and just shot the guy and be well, done? In with some it? cases, we do shoot generals in some cases. Yeah, that's what you know, I'm we, went, we went after him. Maybe there are different ramifications. Sometimes if you take the top guy out, it creates a worse situation, makes a martyr out of him or the number two guy could be worse. Um, there's always a number two guy and a number three guy. And 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 and, a, and an inside group running things. It's complicated. It's blow complicated. up the, the let's blow up the Kremlin. Blow the whole thing up. I don't know. That's right. that sounds a little silly. Well, it does, but <laughs> what it could happen is evidence by the fact exactly that uh, sillier that our enemy sent a plane into the World yeah. Trade Center. I mean, right. these things happen. Yeah. Bingo. Twenty-eight after the hour. American Family Farmer podcast. Doug Hensley, president of real estate services at Hertz Real Estate Services. Some people inherit an asset and they live remotely from the asset. Sometimes don't know where to start, what decisions need to be made. And for a lot of people, they either don't have the time or the expertise to take care of that themselves. So that's where we come in on the management side. Get the podcast at AmericanFamilyFarmerShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, 34 after the hour, as we continue with our overview of the big news stories that are talked about on talk radio every week. This week, it's different than it was last week. It always is. People list as well. We have Michael Harrison, the editor and publisher of Talkers Magazine here, to go through the essence of uh, the, the content of the conversation, a lot of them anyway. Uh, one of the things that I guess we could tie to number three, which is the Russian-Ukrainian war, is the proposed legislative package on uh, Thursday that would allow the feds to sell assets seized from the Russians. Like, how do we, let's sell the boats and use the dough. We'll give it to the Ukrainians to fight the war. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, actually, clever. Right? Right. Why not? Uh, you know, yeah, uh, gun yachts. You know, they have <laughs> yeah. these be beautiful yachts and um, luxury boats. Fitted with, bar you know, with with cannons. I'm only, right. um, I'm, I'm kidding. The fact is, I guess they would turn the money into that. But go back to what you yeah. said earlier. All of this stuff is cosmetic, mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 economically. It, it doesn't necessarily amount to anything consequential in terms of the direction of the war. Just um, whether or not Russia will suffer major consequences or minor ones. The real story is what they're inflicting upon Ukraine and uh, whether or not they'll stop there or will they continue? And will they well, start to, um, you know, take over other countries? 
With the, with the economy is the number one discussion topic this week. A lot of focus on what Disney is doing or contributing to the economy of Central Florida and whether or not the governor there can shake things up enough, what it's going to cost to the local taxpayer. Who knew that Disney controlled things the way they do? I found that to be the most fascinating part of the conversation, didn't you? Yes, it was an eye-opener, but it's also understandable. Those deals were made with Disney back when that land was, was barren. and um, yeah, yeah, there was there was no Orlando as a cultural and entertainment and hospitality center. Do you center. remember the airport in Orlando when before Disney? Well, Orlando was a small city. It was a, the, it was a, it, it, but the airport was a one strip, and there was a... When you come off of what is now the Beeline where the airport is and the building is still there there was there were like three gates <laughs> i can remember going down there and thinking no oh, how is this going to how can they do what they want to do with this kind of an airport and now you look at it today good lord Oof. so the point the point is how can this happen well had florida not given disney the kind of benefits and tax relief and 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 support and help Disney would probably never have gone on to build what they did and become mm-hmm. a source of Huge. Uh, tremendous jobs and, yeah. and revenue for the state. So um, this all comes, you know, from, you know, government, private industry cooperation. I mean, to, to for business that some states are thriving because they're tax friendly to big business. Others are suffering um, people heading for the hills such as california because they're not friendly to business Mm -hmm. so this was a case of the government of florida being friendly to disney giving them advantages making it work and look what came we have airports we have infrastructure we have highways we have jobs employment um all kinds of um uh interesting cultural change central florida right completely and yes the businesses that are connected to it the jobs that are connected to it so and the ancillary why. things like on the space coast you don't have to go very far down the beeline to go to melbourne and cape canaveral and stuff you make a trip mm. of it there are all kinds of things sea world those all well the, the cape didn't develop because of disney but certainly all the other stuff that's around down there uh, right. completely developed so to look disney. at the story as you know well how does disney get away with all of this it's not looking at the big picture and how it came about and how it happened and what its history is. Maybe maybe the deal has to be changed, but um, it shouldn't be looked at in a in isolation or in a vacuum because there's a history there and there have been a lot of benefits as a, for, for everybody as a result of Disney having that uh, that break. All right. So the economy is number one. I thought this was an interesting connection to that. The president said uh, that uh, the administration is looking at ways to reduce some, and that's in quotation marks, federal student loan debt. Uh, But specifically, they are not planning to forgive up to $50,000 per borrower. Obviously, that wouldn't look good because it's going to cost a lot of money, and who's going to pay for it? You and me. Uh, I already paid for college, didn't you? I don't want to pay again. I paid Mm. for my children, at least to a point. So I'm going to pay for somebody else that I don't even know. That's what the trouble is with these sorts of schemes, right? Well, the trouble is, you know, if you if you relieve everybody's tax debt, these people, I mean, uh, school debt, 
they went into it knowingly, even though maybe they didn't know as much as they should. I mean, there, yeah. there are cases to be made for that. But what about people who are not going to be exempt from that, who are not going to get the money back, people that are spending now? Yeah, um, right. So, so how do you create a situation that's fair and doesn't leave people out in the cold or people angry? This is not an easy problem to solve. I just think about you've you've taken the words right out of my mouth. What about the people who already paid, right on their own? You know that's that that's it. They, all of these schemes. Bernie Sanders, he comes up with you know maybe he wants to run for president again. Or whatever is free college for everybody. Nonsense. And who believes that? Only if you want to believe it, I guess. If you want to believe it, that's swell. But if you if you're realistic and know how the the real world works, somebody's got to pay. Yeah. On the other hand, and and I agree with what you just said, but on the other hand, if you look at it objectively and you look at the rise in costs at colleges and you look at the way colleges operate, I think that colleges have to be reexamined and the the place to have a culture. Yeah. So it's a a bigger situation than just, you know, somebody's got to pay. So who? It's how much is being paid. I mean, a lot of colleges are are money grubbing machines. Well, really the other side of it is the professors, education. and I say this advisedly because my daughter is a college professor at UCLA, mm-hmm. uh, but she has three jobs. She teaches three classes. She also is in charge of the writing department, uh, and therefore, administratively, she has a job that would be considered by somebody full-time to administer, to find the people, and to work out the courses uh, that, before she got there, amazingly enough... This is a college, <laughs> one of the best colleges, and I'm blowing my daughter's horn, I guess, to a point, but mm-hmm. one of the best colleges, public colleges in the country, if not the world, and they're in the heart of a city that needs writers to write products so that they can be created within the industry that runs the city. And there was no writing course at the college. And so Megan said to the head of the department, how come there's no writing course here? And he said... Well, that's a good question. Why don't you research it and get back to me? And then after she did, he said, "Okay, you're in charge." And there, that you know, that's that, very cool. Yeah, it is cool. Well, she made her own job. She, she, yeah. she identified a need, and yep. she acted upon it. And and to their credit, they gave her the go ahead. I think that's yeah. a great story. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but I'm saying that there are that colleges. You know, I know other people who teach. You know. Uh, two or three courses a semester, and they go in two or three days a week, and they're there for two or three hours. Well, you're talking about adjunct professors. Adjunct professors, but no matter what, couldn't we be doing better? Couldn't we be using these people who have all this education and all this knowledge? Maybe we should be paying them. Do you realize that adjunct professors, in some cases, are working for free for the honor of being able to say they're a, they're attached to that college? And, and I know other uh, t- tenured college. Uh, professors making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and uh, they aren't contributing, no matter what they measure, one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of of credit of, of uh, contributions uh, to the college. It's, and that's my, where the problem. Back is. to my point that uh, yes. colleges have to be reevaluated in terms of the whole damn system. Yeah, don't you think that they're that college professors are sort of put maybe appropriately in some ways, some places, into a they're they're looked upon as being somewhat different than the rest of the world. He's a college professor. Wow. You know, that kind of stuff. 
think that's true or not? Uh, I, I, that's a very good question. Yeah, I, I think that uh, to a certain level, there's a, a prestige attached to being a college professor, but mm-hmm. um, perhaps not as much as there was years ago, just like there used to be prestige attached to being a school teacher or a policeman, a policeman, a nurse. Yeah. A, um, um, but but it's changing and it's not 100 percent true in everything. I mean, no. some of the highest paid wealthy individuals now within everyday communities are the local plumber, electrician, carpenter. Oh, yeah. This guy's yep. making a fortune. <laughs> yeah, they are. They charge 160 bucks an hour. God love them. People list, courtesy of the folks at Talkers Magazine, for the last week of April. These are the people that are being talked about in their connection to the stories, the top 10 stories. Trevor Reed is at number 10. Janet Yellen is 9. Madison Cawthorn is eight. Marjorie Taylor Greene is seven. The old fossil himself, Mitch McConnell, number six. Kevin McCarthy, who just looks like he's angry all the time, is five. Donald Trump, he looks relaxed and (laughs) rested now that he's not the president. Uh, The two Vlads at three. Vladimir Putin, bad, bad, bad guy, bad Vlad. And then there's uh, Mr. Zelensky, who's the uh, other person at number three. Number two. Elon Musk and all of his activities. Uh, number one, Joe Biden, president of the United States, person responsible for lots of controversy. I think just as an aside, I wish he'd, he'd say what he wanted to say and people would not come back and say, oh, this is what he really meant. Anyway, we've got all of these stories and people listed on the website for the DJV Show, djvshow.com, and at talkers.com. I'm Doug Steffen. I want to find out who's in the conversation focus of the MH interview in a few moments. That'll happen after this. The Talk Radio Countdown. The Talk Radio Countdown. This is the Talk Radio Countdown show. I'm Doug Steffen with a recap of the story list this week from Talkers Magazine. You can find these stories, by the way, every week, both at Talkers.com and DJVShow.com. At number 10, the weather and stories related to that, pollution, what's going on in the oceans, etc. Number 9, immigration, specifically Title 42. Number 8, race relations. Number 7, crime, violence, that sort of thing. Number 6, the continuing ad nauseum of January 6th. Number 5, the political realities of what's coming up in the midterm elections. COVID is four. Russia, Ukraine, the war, all the ancillary stories with that. Number three this week, Elon Musk making lots of, I don't know if noise is the right word, but uh, a lot of people paying attention to him because he acquired Twitter. Number two this week, and the economy is number one on the Talk Radio Countdown Show. All right, so Michael, who's on the uh, Michael Harrison interview schedule this week? An interesting fellow, very important broadcaster. His name is Joe Madison. He's um, the highest-ranked African-American news talk radio host on our Heavy 100. And uh, for years now, he has hosted the mornings on the 
Urban View channel at Sirius XM Satellite Radio. He's a civil rights activist, very, very active. Um, he's been arrested. He's had hunger strikes. He He's the real deal. He, you know, what do they say? He, he walks the walk as well as talks the talk. And we talk about the state of race relations in America. He has a new book called Radioactive. It's about his life. It's a memoir. And it's a very interesting conversation. MHinterview.com. All right. Joe Madison, who was from Washington, was on local radio in Washington for a long time before he got the gig at Sirius XM. Uh, he has been, as you suggest, he's, I'm thinking he's about my age by now, isn't he? About I'll our say that age. Again. Uh, he's in his 70s, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought, and he's still at it. That's what I like about being able to do this. We can keep going no matter what our age. Michael Harrison, Ageless, here on the Talk Radio Countdown Show. I'm Doug Steffen, 10 before the hour. We're counting down what America's talking about. The Talk Radio Countdown Show continues. The Talk Radio Countdown. We continue on the Talk Radio Countdown Show with the appearance of one Stephen J.J. Wiseman, our official legal expert here on the Countdown, college professor of law, strangely enough, at Bentley University, and a practicing attorney, plus he's responsible for the website scamicide.com. And boy, is there a lot of activity this week, this month, this year there. The FDA, I'm going to start with this. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not, this is not from Scamacide, but maybe you put things like this up there because it even it's not about having your wealth stolen from you, but there's a certain amount of, uh, of propriety, I guess, Steve, whether people can, do they sue uh, the folks that make Lucky Charms because people get sick? Are there ever lawsuits you're eating Lucky Charms this week and you get vomiting, nausea, diarrhea. Uh, so I, there's a website called IWasPoisoned.com. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that before. Yeah. Which um, is a reporting platform for these kind of things. And usually from that comes some lawsuits. So I guess there are a couple of angles here for this. Yeah, there certainly could be. Um, as far as product liability, you know, if someone is getting sick, and uh, I saw the same stories about this, so there, there apparently was some kind of contamination in there with Lucky Charms. I guess they weren't quite so lucky. Nice. But uh, the, the bottom line is, yes, the companies uh, are responsible for that. Actually, it, it's kind of a, a strict liability thing. Even if they're uh, not negligent, uh, their products have to meet certain standards. As a matter of fact, for consumer products, even, and this is interesting, in a consumer product, even if it uh, doesn't have a specific warranty, there's something called an implied warranty of merchantability, and that means it will be of good average quality, and certainly with that, it, it definitely uh, implies that it has to be uh, safe. So, you know, the amount of damages, and by damages, that's the legal term for the money you get, uh, I don't know, you know, how much, how serious the, the harm was to people. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think I think we probably will see some lawsuits. All right. Number four this week on the countdown story list is a focus on COVID. And the reason I bring it up with you is that the Department of Justice is bringing criminal charges uh, in a fraud scheme or a number of them, apparently, 
that included overcharging for medical services, creating and selling fake vaccine cards, all the stuff that has, you know, when there's a lot of money, obviously there are going to be people trying to take advantage. Several defendants used COVID testing to gather patients' personal info and then submitted claims for more, you know, unnecessary tests and stuff. Uh, so they've been screwing the system because they know how the system works. So what do we do about that? Yeah, this is big. Um, COVID was the the perfect storm for for scammers. And in fact, on on scamicide.com, touting my own horn here, the the New York Times cited scamicides as one of the the top three sources for information about uh, COVID scams, with the other two being uh, government agencies. You point out what the Justice Department is doing now, and there have been literally hundreds of people taking advantage of the fact that when money was getting out to people, the effort was to get it out as quick as possible and security was secondary. The same thing with cards and the same thing with vaccines. You know, the the emphasis was on, was on getting things out fast. So now that we're getting more into an endemic rather than a pandemic, uh, the Justice Department, which had been bringing actions against uh, purveyors of uh, phony cures and some of the people with uh, cards and uh, identity theft by stealing information. Now they're really going full bore. And I think this is, uh, this is important. In fact, one that a lot of people may not be uh, aware of, there was a, uh, an organized cyber crime group, not surprisingly from Nigeria, that literally stole hundreds of millions of dollars uh, from the various states' unemployment systems. They went in and they bought social security numbers of people that were being sold on the dark web, that part of the internet where uh, criminals buy and sell goods. Those social security numbers were obtained from data breaches and then used those to make the applications in the United States. They had money mules, people here who would get the money and wire it back. And uh, the government's going after those guys as well. As, as well they ought to. All right, so check out scamicide.com. As Steve said, one of the most prestigious places to get informational. And there's certainly, I look at, I got three more stories here we don't have time for. Uh, scammers in the war against Ukraine. I mean, they're all over the place. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So check out scamicide.com. That's Steve's website. Steve and J.J. Wiseman, our official legal advisor here on the Talk Radio Countdown Show. The Talk Radio Countdown Show is a production of Stefan Multimedia, produced by Bob K. Sound and Recording.